everyone, fellow paranormal aficionados. Welcome back to Haunted 518. Today, I have been looking forward to this drink all week since I bought the 12-pack. I've never had it before. I am drinking UFO Big Squeeze. It says beer, grapefruit juice, shandy. (laughs) Oh, that's good. It's a little different than I was expecting, but it's still delicious. Definitely fruity, less grapefruity than I was expecting, but an absolutely delicious, delicious beverage. <laughs> so today I thought we would delve into Schuylerville a little bit. I honestly wasn't sure what I wanted to talk about. And then I picked up one of my books that I get a lot of information from and the first page that I opened to was Schuylerville and I realized just how saturated in history that village is and how much um, how much actually happened in that geographical location and I was like there's bound to be some spooky lore that goes along with that. So I thought we would uh, really delve into Schuylerville both from a historical standpoint and a paranormal standpoint. I think it's probably important because Schuylerville is fairly close to where I live, pretty close, and um, it's kind of like a off-the-beaten track, just far enough outside of the like main capital region area that I don't think it's something you go to, a place you really go to unless you pretty much have to, um, but I think it's worth talking about because it holds a pretty high significance in the establishment of um, the area and what happened with um, battles and uh, the war in that area also. So I thought it would be good to just start off with a little bit of information about the village of Schuylerville. It was incorporated in 1831 and is named after the Schuyler family, a prominent family of Dutch descent in colonial America. It was the site of the surrender of the British Army under General John Burgoyne following the Battles of Saratoga, which happened in 1777, in the nearby town of Stillwater. Schuylerville contains several historic buildings, including the General Schuyler House, part of which is part of the National Histor- Saratoga National Historical Park, and Old Saratoga Reformed Church. It was inhabited by Native Americans as late as 820 AD. The region was eventually settled by Dutch settlers from Albany, New York in 1691, who called the region Fort Saratoga. These settlers included the influential Schuyler family. Conflicts occurred among the French, Mohawk, Mohegan, Dutch, and English peoples. The peace of 1763 between France and England resulted in this area being available for settlement. Homes and mills were built by European Americans, including General Philip Schuyler's Flax Mill in 1767, which was a first of its kind in the American colonies. The community that developed near the fort, which was originally called Saratoga, but was partly destroyed by the French and their native allies in 1745 during King George's War. The old Saratoga Reformed Church was organized in 1770. It was used as a hospital during the Revolutionary War. 
1777, the British Army under General John Burgoyne crossed the Hudson River one half mile north of Schuylerville, known then as Saratoga. On their campaign from Canada to Albany in an attempt to end the American Revolution by splitting the colonies in two. The British marched, marched south at about nine miles to Bemis Heights near present-day Stillwater, where American troops engaged them in two battles of Saratoga, the first on September 19th and the second on October 7th, 1777. The British advance was stopped by the American forces and the British retreated back northward to an encampment along Fish Creek just outside the village. The Saratoga Battle Monument in the Village of Victory is located near the site of the British encampment. American forces blocked further British retreat and surrendered the encampment. With winter approaching and no hope of escape, the British were forced to surrender. On October 17, 1777, General Burgoyne surrendered his army to American General Horatio Gates, making the turning point of the American Revolution. The British laid down their arms in what is now Fort Hardy Park in the village of Schuylerville. The American victory at Saratoga was enough to convince France to throw their support to the American cause, and Spain eventually followed France's lead. The, there's several historic sites in the village of Schuylerville. The Schuyler House, the Bullard Block, the Old Saratoga Reformed Church, and St. Stephen's Episcopal Church are now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The Marshall House is listed as a significant Revolutionary War historic site and is the sole surviving building from the time of the Battles of Saratoga. That's fascinating. The Marshall House was made f famous by the publication of Baroness Frederica Riedesel's letters and journals relating to the War of the American Revolution and the capture of the German troops at Saratoga. <laughs> the house was built in 1770 through 1773. During the closing days of the, of the battles of Saratoga, Baroness Riedesel, with her three infant daughters, sheltered there, together with the of British army officers and wounded personnel. Her accounts of the travails of those around her, her keen insight into the personalities of the principal officers of both the British and American armies, and her devotion to her husband in peril have led some commentators to name her as the first woman war correspondent. The Marshall House was bombarded by the Americans, who assumed it to be an em enemy headquarters. With th within our conserved cannonballs and other remainders of the ordeal suffered by those who took refuge there. The stone cellar, made famous by the Baroness, is large largely unchanged. The Marshall House is the sole remaining witness building to the Battles of Saratoga. The owners welcome visitors by appointment. And I would be curious if that's still the case, considering the... Um, considering the uh, pandemic, but that sounds like an absolutely fascinating place to visit. And going along with um, just a little bit more information with these these uh, major historical landmarks that are in the village, in and right outside the village, the first being Saratoga Monument, the Saratoga Monument. It commemorates the surrender of the British forces to the armed forces on October 17, 1777, as we spoke about. As explained by the marker on in front of the monument, each side of the monument has a niche for each of the major American contributors in the Battle of Saratoga. 
Battles of Saratoga, Philip Schuyler, Daniel Morgan, Horatio Gates, and Benedict Arnold. That's fascinating. The next are Revolutionary War markers on the north side of Schuylerville. The first marker is at the position that Daniel Morgan and his riflemen took to stop a possible British retreat to the west. The marker is near a small cemetery where many of the graves date back to the middle 1800s. Just past the cemetery at an intersection with Route 29 is a marker about the town of Saratoga. A series of four markers can be found along Route 29 on the return back on U.S. Route 4. There are two British encampment markers on the left. One is near a gift shop. The other is in front of a home near the Schuylerville Central School. There is a breastworks marker on the right opposite the school, and there is a barracks marker on the left, just before the intersection with U.S. Route 4. What is a breastworks? There is a breastworks marker and a barracks marker. So I'm, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that term up. What is a breastworks? Um, historically, what is that term? Next is Fort Hardy Park, which we had mentioned. It's this famous site where the British laid down their arms after the Battle of Saratoga. Today, Fort Hardy is an athletic park with soccer fields and other athletic facilities. Keeping the history alive on the west side of the field is the Schuylerville Visitor Center. Inside, there are history exhibits as well as information about Schuylerville. Near the Visitor Center is a marker for the Surrender Tree, under which the surrender documents were signed. Wow, that's that's crazy. There's also a surrender marker near the entrance to the park. You know, I grew up in Clifton Park, which is... 15 20 minutes from Schuylerville and I you just don't think that you just don't realize how much important history you know day to day happens so close to you and I I did not know that um there was a visitor center with that also so I'm definitely gonna have to check that out there's also Revolutionary War markers in Schuylerville that there are two markers uh or I'm sorry going through Um, There's a Conventions of Saratoga marker on the left near the center of town, and there are also two markers on the left just before the bridge across the Fishkill River. One of the two is a Knox Trail marker, the other is about the recovery of a soldier and a horse. Wow. The next one is the Schuylerville House. In front of the Schuyler, or I'm sorry, the Schuyler House. In front of the Schuyler House, there is a marker at the pathway entrance that relates its history. Depending upon the time of the year, volunteers in period costume may be on hand to give you a tour of the house, um, which is, I think, the most famous. And if you if you know anything about Schuylerville, that's probably the 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 main thing that everyone knows about, considering. Um, with the advent of Hamilton having come out on Broadway, the Schuyler sisters are in that, and it's just so fascinating that that is so close to me. <laughs> um, and then a little bit more history I wanted to go into about Schuylerville, which I think was really important to talk about, um, which I actually didn't know nearly as much about this before having read a little bit, was um, about abolition, abolitionism and the Underground Railroad and how that ties into Schuylerville. So in the 1850s, Daniel Meter was a Schuylerville businessman and a local resident. He was also involved with the Underground Railroad. Uncle Daniel, as he was referred to in his 1877 obituary, was one of many of the greater Schuylerville area residents that were staunch supporters of the abolitionist movement. The village of Schuylerville is known throughout the world for its rich and unique history. 
Its known history dates back to prehistoric eras, when Native American peoples set up seasonal camps along the Hudson River and Fish Creek, benefiting from the abundant game and vegetation. During the French and Indian Wars, early settlements were the sites of French raiding party sacks. <laughs> were sites of French raiding party sacks, and during the American Revolution, the village of Schuylerville played a pertinent role in the infamous surrender at Saratoga, the turning point of the American Revolution. The water power of Fish Creek and the Hudson River was harnessed by early industrialists, making Schuylerville a prominent and wealthy mill village. The Champlain Canal also came through the village, and the village hosted a turnaround basin and dry docks. Another, another layer to Schuylerville's rich history that is currently being brought to light is the history of the reformists that lived in the area during the 19th century. National reform mo movements such, such as the women's suffrage, temperance, and abolitionism began to grow strength during the 1830s. These reform movements were linked with one another. Most often a person that was a member of the abolitionist society was also involved with both the temperance and women's suffrage move movements. In the village of Schuylerville and the surrounding areas, the abolitionist movement the abolitionist movement was strong. Many of the residents of the area were Quaker or of Quaker origin, and the Quakers were abolitionists according to their doctrine. As the Second Great Awakening swept through the country, other religious groups also condemned slavery and became vocal in the abolitionist cause. Numerous abolitionist societies began to form in Saratoga County beginning in the 1830s. The greater Schuylerville area had two, the Quaker Springs Anti-Slavery Society, founded in 1836, and the Old Saratoga Anti-Slavery Society, founded in 1850. Members of these societies lobbied politicians, published abolitionist papers, and invited abolitionist speakers into their communities. Some of these local aboli abol abolitionists were also active in moving fugitive slaves to safe places, places that ensured the fugitive slave of their freedom. Famous abolitionist speakers were often invited to local anti-slavery meetings to rally support for the cause and to discuss undertakings and accomplishments of the movement. That is, like, amazing that that happened so close to where I live. On June 8, 1849, the most notable abolitionist speaker arrived in the village of Schuylerville, Mr. Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, a former slave turned ardent abolitionist, spent three days in the area, lecturing first in the village proper and then in the hamlets of Quaker Springs and Dean's Corners. He stated in his paper, The North Star, I had a quiet and undisturbed meeting in Schuylerville and circulated a number of my narratives, which may pave the way for anti-slavery effort in that place. That is incredible. In Quaker Springs at the Friends Meeting House, Mr. Douglas stated that he addressed a large audience who listened with attention during the space of two hours. Other notable speakers that participated in the area anti-slavery meetings included William Lloyd Garrison, Henry Stanton, who is the husband of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Parker Pillsbury. 
Anti-slavery papers often published the minutes of local abolitionist society meetings. Included in the 1852 edition of The Liberator are minutes of the old Saratoga Anti-Slavery Society. The minutes show that that at this day, at this two-day meeting, both William Lloyd Garrison and Parker Pillsbury addressed the members. The minutes also show that discussions were re- that discussions were had regarding publishing member essays, voting on resolutions, and creating committees. Additionally, additionally, these minutes recorded record many members of the society. Listed in these minutes are, are the names of numerous Schuylerville area residents, such as Isaac Griffin, whose homes were used as stops on the Underground Railroad. Stops for fugitive slaves in Schuylerville and the greater Schuylerville area were needed. The Hudson River and the Champlain Canal are well documented as being used by fugitive slaves as passageways to freedom. Both of these waterways ran through the village of Schuylerville. Abolitionists in this area provided a safe house for fugitive slaves to rest at before continuing on to Washington County and beyond, following the Hudson River or riding the Champlain Canal north on their fight toward freedom. And I'm pretty much going to cry after reading that. That is incredible. Um, and I, uh, I have to look more into that. That is, um, that's so amazing that that ha- all happened so close. That so much history is um, close to where I grew up and, and actually live now. So the next thing I wanted to talk about... I wanted to get more into the Marshall House because the Marshall House seemed like seems like a very um, important part of the history of Schuylerville. Um, so just a little bit of uh, history on the Marshall House, and then we can get into um, some of the paranormal associated with all of this. It is listed on the National Register of Historic Places, which I mentioned for both its place in American history and its architectural significance. The Marshall House is listed on the register, <laughs> I just said that, of historical places, um, constructed in 1700 to 1773 as a gambrel-roofed, gambrel, G-A-M-B-R-E-L, don't know what that means, as a gambrel-roofed, hem- heavy-timbered farmhouse and remodeled in 1867 through 1868 in the Italian, Italianate, Italianate, I would say, Italianate style. The Marshall House retains a substantial integrity of design and materials. Despite its modifications, the building remains understandable as a rare extant example of pre-revolutionary residential architecture. It is one of only two extant witness buildings associated with the pivotal revolutionary battles of Saratoga that took place in 1777. Pressed into service as a British field hospital, the building became the refuge of the Baroness Frederica Reidesall. Redissel, whose well-known diary chronicles the tribulations, deaths, and heroism of other non-combatants, wounded officers, and men who sheltered with her through her sixty-day through a sixty-day artillery bombardment and siege. The pre-revolutionary history of the property, referred to as the Marshall House, is incomplete. The building was erected on lot number one of the 10th allotment in the general division of the Cateross Patent, bounded, bounded on the south by the north line of the Saratoga Patent, containing about 40 acres. The property now comprises about 7.6 acres. 
The area originally called Saratoga was inhabited by Dutch and English settlers beginning in 1684 who came to advantage themselves with the plentiful water power afforded by the confluence of the Hudson River, the Fish Creek, and the Battenkill at this point, in addition to being aided by rich soils. There are some indications that the subject house and its surrounding farm served as a collection point for timber and local produce for shipping down river to Albany, to be sold there by the three-man partnership that built it. Known with certainty is that the property soon came into the hands of Peter Lansing, an Albany merchant whose family were prominent landowners and fellow merchants in the upper Hudson Valley. However, local 19th century accounts hold that the Lansings and others fled south upon the approach of the British army and its Indian allies in the summer of 1777. The Marshall House attained its fame for the role it played in the events leading to the British surrendering the following British surrender following the battles fought during September through October of 1777. Traveling with the British Army, Baroness Frederica Riestel, the young wife of Major General Friedrich Adolf Riedesel, commander of the German mercenary troops who formed part of the British Army, led by Lieutenant General John Burgoyne. During the afternoon of October 10th, American batteries emplaced on the east side of the Hudson River opened fire on Riedesel's defenses some 50 rods south of the Marshall House. The Baron, seeing the house, urged his wife and three young children to seek safety in its stone cellar. Baroness Riedesel was soon joined by other women in like circumstances as well as by wounded family personnel, wounded military personnel. Observing the commotion surrounding the house, the Americans mistakenly supposed supposed it to be an enemy headquarters and began firing upon it. As aforesaid, the Baroness recounted in the diary the ordeal of those besieged in the house. The bombardment resumed the following morning. As their danger continued, the refugees and wounded suffered for want of water, the well having gone dry. The Baroness Riedesel organized the female refugees, the wives of several British officers, to attend the wounded as best they were able. For her tireless efforts through the six-day siege, the Baroness won the affection of all who shared her fate in the Marshall House. On October 16th, with British surrender imminent, the non-combatants at last were free to emerge in safety. The following day, October 17, 1777, Burgoyne surrendered to the Americans. As a result of the American victory at Saratoga, which is present-day Schuylerville, the French government threw its support to the American cause, assuring success in the War of Independence. Following the, revolutionary, following the revolution, the Marshall House property changed hands. Captain Samuel Bushy, a war veteran and settler from Connecticut, purchased it from Peter Lansing in 1802. Bushy subsequently conveyed the property the property to his father-in-law, Abraham Marshall, in 1817. Thereafter, the property remained in the Marshall family until 1930 when it was purchased by Kenneth and Adelaide Bullard, whose descendants remain its owners and inhabitants. After the war, the house was recognized for its dramatic role in the battles of Saratoga. Though always of private residence, the Marshall house has ever been a favorite destination for persons touring the Saratoga battlefields. 
Cannonballs that struck the house are displayed as are the floor and the northeast room bloodstained from its use as a makeshift hospital and the capacious stone cellar. Structural features damaged by cannon fire testify to the events that thrust fame upon this two-century and more old house. Remaining and still in use from the time of the battles of Saratoga are the hinges, are the hinges and great lock on the front door and the delicate thumb latch and the wooden door itself in the cellar way. That's fascinating. Um, so actually... We can now move on to um, the good stuff, <laughs> the paranormal associated with all of this. And I thought it would be good to start since we just left off with the Marshall House to get right back into it. So here are just a few documented um, goings on in the house. Some years back, the house was rented to a young couple from New York City who intended to enjoy the racing season at Saratoga Springs, a dozen miles hence. Three or four days following their arrival, the husband suddenly declared that they had to leave, reluctantly, because his wife had been vexed each night by a phantom. More recently, a young man, now a Hollywood scriptwriter, who passed several days here, said that he had been awakened by a ghost floating to and from in his bedroom. Oh, that's a terrifying image. But of remarkable accounts of other supernatural events, none exceeded that experienced by sometime owner Kenneth Bullard. One noontime, he returned from the farm for a midday meal in an uncharacteristic, solemn mood. Odd for a practical man of constant good humor. After prodding, he said that that morning while walking in the orchard some hundred rods from the house, he spied an old, old fellow seated in the grass beneath an old northern spy apple tree. As he approached, the man got up and greeted him, saying, Hello, Ken. I'm glad to see you. They fell into conversation about the farm and family as they walked about together looking at the growing crop. Finally, the old man examined his gold pocket watch and declared, I must be going. I shall see you by and by. With that, he walked down the row and vanished. The man was the present owner's grandfather who had been dead 20 years. Mr. Bullard, to his own dying day, never swerved from the truth of the story he had told. Though their ghosts have not yet been seen, a woman and her lover employed here murdered the woman's jealous husband nearby in 1916. This was a notorious crime at the time. The marshals were deposed at the trial. At least one spirit was actually alive. For many years, a Volkswagen Beetle driven by a man wearing a coat and tie and, a sporting, and sporting a Panama hat used to drive up the hill and park. He always remained in his car, but his wife climbed out and made for the back door. She was a frumpy little woman who always wore a shapeless faded print dress that fell below her knees. She, rolled up, she wore rolled up stockings and sneakers. Her name was Mrs. Schneider. She simply walked in, smiled at whoever was was about, and made for the parlor where she sat down and glanced about her. After ten minutes or so, she arose, went upstairs and into the southeast bedroom where she seated herself on the edge of a bed or in a chair for a little while. Without uttering more than a word or two of greeting, she walked back down and out through the kitchen, outdoors, and climbed into her husband's little car, which then drove down the hill and away. Ew. <laughs> That's so awful to have to deal with if you're the resident there. She appeared at queer times. Once she appeared when a dinner party was underway. Again, late afternoons, always it seems when the fancy took her. 
It turned out that Mrs. Schneider was a distant Marshall relative who received, who many years ago came in summertime to pass a week or two with her aunts. She came to relive those happy days. <laughs> when the owner's children were naughty, they promptly recovered their manners when threatened with a visit from Mrs. Schneider. <laughs> um, that is an awful thing to have to deal with. <laughs> knowing that someone's going to barge into your house much less that description um also another thing we've now heard it a few times is the measurement of rods saying a few good rods from the house um i've never heard of that measurement before so that that's really funny and then the um the next obviously major uh architectural historically are a significant place the Schuyler house I wanted to talk about also so the Schuyler family of Albany was quick to see the economic potentials of the bottom land along the Hudson River in Saratoga County by 1745 Philip Schuyler had a great plantation house just south of the present village of Schuylerville with slave labor and hired hands the estate produced excellent harvest which which enriched the family coffers in 1777, Burgoyne ordered his two troops to burn the mansion house to the ground. In just a few months after the battle, with the upper Hudson Valley secure, a smaller house was built on the site, and the family resumed operations there until 1839. Today, the old plantation house is open as a national historic site, supervised by the U.S. Department of the Interior. I did not know the original one was burned down. That's fascinating. One feature that seems to have survived from colonial times is a ghost. The, though the National Park Service employees know, know it is not a correct name, you might ask them about David when you visit the house. This is an entity that usually appears at night when the building is locked and quiet. Lights are sometimes seen in second-story rooms after the house is secured at day's end, and several witnesses report having seen a glow as if an unseen person has just taken a draw on a cigar. Curiously, one of the former park rangers reported the smell of cigar smoke in the building when he opened up in the morning. Though the building is left in immaculate order when it is closed for the night, candlesticks are sometimes found turned over in the morning. A former guide once heard three loud impacts on the back wall of the house and ventured out expecting to see at least a dead bird. Amazingly, nothing was amiss behind the building. Another guide believed she saw faces in the swirled glass of the old windows, and, and they were not tourists. Popular belief has it that David was a servant or slave in the house who had fallen in love with a servant girl. General Schuyler allegedly sent her downriver to his Albany house and David supposedly awaits her return, whiling his time away doing pranks to keep the park rangers on their toes. The entity seems to be encountered most often near a closet in the upstairs servants' quarters. One ranger told of a former partner whom he described as hard as nails who used to hear footsteps upstairs in the servants area he went up once to investigate though he would never go up again when he later met the man i asked him what he had done about his experience i just walked out the door and never went back said the retired ranger a female guide in the house once felt pushed from behind when near the upstairs closet she also told me of a historic interpreter whose job it was to keep an authentic period look in the house's interior and the troubles he had daily. 
Visitors want to see the house as it might have looked if General Schuyler had just stepped out. So a colonial newspaper is opened on a table as if Schuyler just placed it there. Actually, a guide said, it is not a New York State paper, but one from Pennsylvania. The interpreter tries to keep it open so the masthead doesn't show. Surprisingly, an unseen presence keeps closing the paper at night as if to taunt the staff for their lapse in authenticity. The newspaper must be rearranged each and every morning before visitors arrive. A psychic who had visited the house took the guided tour and felt the hairs on his arms raise as he approached several spots in the house. As he prepared to leave the house, he passed by the oil painting of Mrs. Schuyler, the general's wife. From that picture, he received the psychic impression that she was not happy with the painter. <laughs> or with the way he had portrayed her 200 years later, 200 years ago. Another guide from the house now deceased used to drive north on Route 4 after completing her duties. Looking to her left on the crest of a bluff where the Park Service has placed three cannons on the north end of the battlefield, she beheld a man in a red military uniform near the old British position at the time of the battle. Perhaps the ghosts of long ago are still settling matters before they withdraw from the former fields of battle. That's crazy. And now moving on to some more um, kind of first-hand accounts in um, Schuylerville. And this one uh, starts off, There is a building in the village of Schuylerville which has been owned by one family for over 45 years. In earlier times, it served as a combination funeral home and morgue. An attached section of the building may have been used once in a paper-making activity. In its present role, the building houses a no-nonsense, all-work production business. The owner worked throughout the night for many years, processing film in the dark room to fill customers' orders. Large boxes of film, weighing about 25 pounds each, used to sit on a table. They required considerable effort to lift, she said. When I smelled a particular sweet odor, I knew those boxes were going to start flying off that table. That was the main trouble that my unseen helper caused for me, <laughs> she recounted. If she had to choose, she thinks the ghost is male, benevolent, and given to mischief at times. He turns on the water in the sinks upstairs when no one else is up there. Sometimes I come to work in the early morning and find faucets running. Then there are the occasional footsteps that can be heard on the stairs. It's as if someone is going about a business that the rest of us can't see, one that no longer exists, said the owner. The, darker, the dark room was recently torn out to make room for expansion of the business, but he, the ghost, continues his efforts to be recognized as a silent partner. On the few occasions when his mischief becomes a deterrent to her production schedule and when no other workers are present she says she talks to him the phenomena ceases immediately perhaps as an atonement for his frivolity he often opens doors as if to help workers speed up their production the funny thing here is that he opens doors whether there's anyone trying to go through them or not <laughs> it sounds as if two people each in a different world have found a way to get along the owner enjoys the presence of the friendly ghost when she works alone i could never handle that on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> working with that alone <laughs> Another um, personal story starts off, my house was built in the mid-1800s and is located on Burgoyne Street, also known as County Route 338, directly in front of the Saratoga Monument. 
Our historical home, which has accommodated two generation generations of the Liptax, is also home to a revolutionary soldier, soldier named James Williams. When my brother, who's now 30 years old, was a child, he saw a man dressed in a colonial attire walk throughout our house and exit towards the monument, disappearing in the horizon. However, the most significant encounter occurred when I was 12 years old. It was a Saturday morning and I awoke to a pounding headache. As I crawled in agony to my parents' room, I could only stand up stand up long enough to mention that my room smelled funny. Lo and behold, our furnace had been leaking carbon monoxide poisoning and I had awoke just hours before death. When the firefighters examined our basement, they found something unbelievable. Not only was the furnace leaking with carbon monoxide, which you cannot smell, another pipe had blatantly been broken, leaking fumes that you could smell. One year ago, my family had a psychic come to the house. Immediately, she felt the presence of a man who she deemed James William, who, James Williams, who we later confirmed with Saratoga County Records. Without any previous discussion or knowledge of the situation, the psychic stated that the man was a Revolutionary War soldier. Therefore, the creaks in the stairs, that tingly feeling as if you've walked through cobwebs, wacky electricity, disappearing objects, and opening cupboards means nothing when it comes to a ghost who had saved my life to carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh my gosh. Um, and then um, some more just quick uh, first-hand personal, personal accounts. By the canal, I've seen a little girl ghost in a yellow dress, 1800-ish Victorian style. I know this sounds crazy, but I've heard a horse neigh at me. It was 12 a.m. I was on, I was busy on Facebook, minding my own business, and the ghost horse and the ghost horse kept neighing. The fifth neigh got my full attention, and it was in my ear. And that's submitted by Jen. Submitted by anonymous goes we pulled up to the Schuyler house in the middle of the night we watched as floating lights turned on and off in each window we have also heard a piano would play at night and the funny thing is that there's no piano in the Schuyler house the next one is as uh, starts off as a child I often played on the grounds of the Schuyler house in Schuylerville New York as my best friend was the daughter of the National Park Ranger who administered the property. We would often hear tales among staff and volunteers of items in the house being moved from spot to spot overnight. Chairs that were put chairs that were put put on one side of the room only to be found on the other side of the room the next morning. We also heard stories of lights appearing in upstairs windows after the house was closed for the night, and I particularly remember one instance of a face in a window. No information on whether the ghost is that of Captain Peter Schuyler, who was killed on the property during the... <coughs> oh, excuse me killed on the property during the French and Indian War, or if it was tied to General Burgoyne's burning of the house during the American Revolution. Um, that's crazy. And, so sorry, sneezes. So, next, I just wanted to quickly mention, to kind of wrap everything up, was to mention um, fun things, spooky things to do in the area. Um, so the Hudson Cro at the Hudson Crossing Park, they have the Jack O' Lantern Trail Walk, Trail Walk, and Pumpkin Carving. And um, in last year it was fr it was on one night, Friday, October thirtieth, and um, one night only. 
and um it sounds it sounds really really fascinating it's uh free i believe um lit jack-o'-lanterns will line hudson crossings parks hudson crossing park sensory trail leading visitors along the river trail for this special halloween twilight adventure young visitors can also enjoy two-story walks sponsored by greenwich free library and the skylerville public library oh you know it is oh you're the public is invited to bring their jack-o'-lanterns to help decorate the trail or even come early to carve one at the hudson crossing park pavilion all the supplies are provided and it is ten dollars a person um so that is that is fascinating carving begins at 4 p.m or began this last year so hopefully with the pandemic regardless it'll happen again this coming year that is um such a great little local uh fun thing to do on halloween and then lastly was the haunted corn maze um and that is located it's every friday and saturday night in october and that is um located at the can't see the field of screams oh Skylerville farms haunted corn maze it's called the field of screams um and so oh and so it already has 2021 dates out that's crazy october 1st 2nd 8th 9th 15th 16th 22nd 23rd 29th and 30th so um and the admission is only 15 dollars per victim it says so um <laughs> there's three testimonials three testimonials slash reviews on the bottom and one of them is i have never heard my dad scream like that exclamation point <laughs> and the other one is the, this was the most scared i've ever been and then third one is we had so much fun laughing and screaming so definitely the skylerville farms haunted corn maze um and you can actually purchase tickets already that's crazy for this coming year so um definitely check that out and then lastly, I like to always mention where I got my information from. Wikipedia this week, I got a lot of information off of revolutionaryday.com, um, villageofskylerville.org, directly from Christina Saddlemeyer, the Village of Skylerville historian. She was the one who um, wrote everything about the abolitionism and the Underground Railroad in Schuylerville. So she did such a wonderful job. That was so great to learn more about. So thank you so much, Christina Saddlemeyer. Um, and then the marshallhouse.org, stgeorgeutah.com, ghostsofamerica.com, hudsoncrossingpark.org, skylervillefarms.com, and Saratoga County Ghosts, which is uh, the book by David J. Pitkin. Um, so I hope you had a, f a good time listening to a little bit more about uh, Skylerville, because um, it is something that I think is a little bit off the beaten path. So I don't think people think about it as much um, as they probably should, considering the, the significance of the area. So cheers. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on uh, Instagram at the haunt the haunted five one eight. I've been posting images of all the places I talk about, um, and I'm getting caught up on some past ones also. But the um, images from last week's episode, the last few episodes are up, and it's really really great to see the images that correspond with all the stories that I talk about. 
So keep your eyes peeled. Um, Definitely head over there on Instagram, follow us, and keep your eyes peeled for images from this week's episode and uh, past episodes also, which which I'll be posting. So, um, as always, we'll end it on a, on the note of happy haunting.